Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of Dogcast Radio. Coming up, we have a breed profile of a determined little breed, the Dachshund. I guess what they're really known for is kind of being very independent, um, stubborn, and yet very, very loyal at the same time. We also have Buddy's Diary and the Dogcast Radio News. But before all that, we have an interview with writer, broadcaster and columnist Belle Mooney about her book, Small Dogs Can Save Your Life. This is a memoir of an eventful six years in her life and how her small dog, Bonnie, helped her through some very difficult times during the breakdown of her marriage to Jonathan Dimbleby and the time in which she rebuilt her life. Belle hadn't always been a dog person, though. So just how did Bonnie come into her life? Well, I wasn't a dog person. I, quite, I liked cats, and we had four cats. And then when my ex-husband, Jonathan, was 50, I knew that he would love a dog. I thought about it very, very hard, because, because he was away a lot, it would fall to me to look after the dog mm. quite a, most of the time. So I didn't just do it in a, that, that sort of unthinking way, because, you know, you don't treat dogs that way. But we got Billy, who was a gorgeous Labrador bitch, and Jonathan was thrilled. But I thought Billy was a bit lonely because the cats didn't quite, you know, do it for her. <laughs> so we got Sheepdog Sam, Scruffy Border Collie. Mm. Well, I got, again, another present for Jonathan uh, two years later. So there we were on this farm, Jonathan away a lot, me looking after those dogs and liking them very much, but not loving them. Mm. I liked them. <laughs> and I took good care of them. I took them for walks, but I hadn't been turned into a dog lover. And then in 2002, I met Bonnie at a, through a charity I was involved with. And to cut the long story short, she was a rescue dog. She'd been tied to a tree in a mm. bath park and taken by the dog warden to the cat and dog's home, the RSPA, RSPCA home. And I saw her and I did fall in love. <laughs> I, that was the moment when... I just thought she was so adorable. She was a tiny white Maltese. It's a small breed anyway. It's a toy breed. But she was particularly small. And, of course, to this day, I, I will never know who tied her to the tree or why. Because she was, you know, she is a, a pedigree dog. But I don't know. I, would, I don't know why anybody would abandon her. But they No, did. no. So I, I got her. And fell completely madly in love with her and she's sitting on my knee as I'm talking to you uh, I still am madly in love with her <laughs> yeah yeah and one of the things you highlight very early on is how how much a dog makes you the center of their world and and they show it I mean you say very early on all day she waits for attention rising to follow me wherever I go in the house longing the for the moment when feeling guilty, I at last suggest a short walk. And I think that's part of the appeal of a dog, that they do just love you and you are the centre of their world. Very much so, very much so. And of course, um, the story of the book, the sort of human story, is that it's a book about the love of dogs and of people. And it's about the breakup of my uh, first marriage. Um, my ex-husband was a real dog lover. But um, during that dark time, it was the dog who comforted me. And with all my reading and research for this book, I have become A, amazed by the therapeutic power of dogs. And B, almost if you like, it's going to sound weird, but their moral power. Mm. Because 
one of my theses is, as you know, that dogs demonstrate the qualities which we ought to have. Yeah. The loyalty, the perpetual forgiveness, because they forgive you so easily. Mm. They are ready. They're enthusiastic. They are just... They're just fantastic. And as you say, the perpetual pleasure in seeing you just is balm to the wounded spirit. Mm-hmm. It's quite poignant in the book where you, you see how Bonnie uh, still greets uh, your first husband, you know, so enthusiastically and licks him and sort of, you know, yeah. I love you, you know, and you were part of my pack once. And you sort of, that, that really makes the point. Why shouldn't we do that? Because the human instinct is to sort of, you betrayed me, I hate you. Exactly, and I say that, don't I, that you, that learning that lesson, seeing the dog's joy at seeing the man who left us, if you like, you know, is a great lesson. Mm. Well, I thought, do you know what? I'd rather be like her than like the people who write to me in my Daily Mail advice column who are full of bitterness and vituperation and, you know, vitriol. Mm. Give me my dog's attitude any time. Yeah. Yeah, they they certainly wear their hearts on their sleeve. And there's another, there's a lovely scene where your second husband, Robin, is away uh, on holiday. And you've got Bonnie, I think, at a service station. And she's yes, having yes. a toilet break. And that's gorgeous. Yes, I was going out to visit my best friend, who's a dog lover. She's the person I've dedicated the book to. And she lives in Alderley Edge. And so I was taking Bonnie up to see her because I was alone. And um, my husband, um, my new husband, uh, has a Harley Davidson. And, and so we were the, I was just sort of getting something out of the boot, probably my handbag. And suddenly her lead slipped out of my hand. She just raced off. And I, oh, my God, you know, she could get run over. So I went running up and panic. Where's she gone? Where's she gone? And a woman said to me, Is it, we lost a dog. She's over there. And she'd heard a biker come in and park. And he was taking off his helmet, and she thought she was romping, and she was bounding around all enthusiastically. And I, w- I went up, and I said, it's not him. He, she, he took his helmet off. It was the wrong man. And I'm sure he thought it was my ploy, middle-aged lady picking up bikers. But anyway, I, and so I said to her, which you've got to learn, it, doesn't, it was a Japanese bike. It doesn't sound like a Harley. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, that is just lovely. And he's sort of puzzlement. Why is this little white dog? You know, I think he's around? so pleased to see him. Wag, 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 little whisk of a tail. <laughs> it was hilarious. Of yeah. I was worried. I was so worried. I'd lose her. She'd get run over. Because, yeah. you know, you still feel that, that little dogs are so vulnerable. You know, I love big dogs. I like, I, you know, my book is called Small Dogs Can Save Your Life because I've got a small dog. And I do think that little dogs, particularly their role in life, isn't it, is to be charming, to be lovable. That's Mm. what they do. And they were comfort dogs in ancient Japan. And, you know, these little dogs who are destined to sit on silk cushions have a particular role in life. And I think that, you know, you get your wonderful working dogs, um, your guard dogs, you know, dogs have all sorts of roles in life. But little dogs' role is to love you. Period. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do point out, um, as I say, we have a a Bichon Frise, so we have a a small white dog. And you point out in the book that um, some people think that small dogs, they don't just they don't view them as sort of, you know, a proper dog. And there is quite a negative attitude that you can encounter with them. I know I've found that I was quite 
amazed by it because, of course, I hadn't had one before. Mm. And I wasn't at all pleased. And I, 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 I really found it offensive and that, that people would be sizist like that. And in fact, um, I don't know if you know, but I've written a series of children's books, The Bonnie Books, mm. um, published by Walker. And that big dog Bonnie, best dog Bonnie, bad dog Bonnie. And I was inspired to write this book because my, my, the little hero of the book is a little boy called Harry. And that's what he feels like. His mum gets this little dog from the rescue home, calls it Bonnie, brings it home. Harry's always wanted a big dog. Mm. And so he says, that's not a proper dog, mum. And the first story, the big dog Bonnie, is of how Bonnie the fictional Bonnie, gains stature in Harry's heart because he realizes that she is just as brave as the biggest dog. And, of course, she's very loving. And so the, the whole six series, and the last one was just published, called Bright Dog, um, sorry, yes, Bright Dog Bonnie is the last one. It's really about how the little dog comes into that broken family and is a healing power for good, which is, of course... Uh, the subject of my big my book big book for adults small dogs and save your life mm. so I'm obviously this is the effect this dog has had on me she's my inspiration <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it, it's it's very clear in in the book that she is I mean you call her you know a balm for a wounded spirit there's an occasion when you're coming home and it's in in the very difficult time when you know you're you're breaking up you know the first marriage is breaking up and it's obviously it's very difficult for you and some people know, some people don't. And you get home from this meeting and the other dogs, the, the Labrador and the Collie, have been in the kitchen. But Bonnie has just stood there and waited for you Absolutely. to return. Absolutely. Freezing cold. It was November and the house we lived in was six, 700 um, miles above sea level. It was a very high farm, isolated farm. A bit like Wuthering Heights, you know. It was like yeah. that. And, um, yeah, when I left, they were, I said, you've got to stay, you've got to stay. You know, and... Or on their beds, and there was a dog flap which the big dogs could get through. And um, when I came back, there she was, waiting with her paws up on the farm gate, which was had chicken wire underneath, so she couldn't escape. <laughs> and I picked her up, and it was clear to me she'd been there for four hours, but she was freezing. Mm. Her paws, her head, and she was just wriggling. And I just thought, the house was empty, my husband had gone, this little creature has kept vigil. Yeah. I felt so loved, you know. Yeah. And of course, yeah. the big dogs hearing the car came bounding out. And I said to them, well, you didn't wait <laughs> up there. She did. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I, the other, you, you, I mean, it's a very honest book. You are honest about sort of um, Bonnie fills an emotional need, you know, rather like a child would. I absolutely make this point because I went on, I tell the story of um, the marriage and the aftermath, and and then um, my new partner, who's actually much younger than I am. I'm very blessed, you know, I'm very lucky. I give thanks every day, I tell you that. Mm. But um, we can't have a child. He doesn't have a child. The dog is our baby substitute, and we are very open about that. You know, I, see, I say, go to daddy, mm. <laughs> go to mommy, and I bet an awful lot of of your um, uh, people who listen to Dogcast Radio call their children, you know, call themselves mummy and daddy oh, to yes. their dogs. Yeah, yeah. And, I have and it's fine, you know, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. She's our baby substitute. We adore her and we fuss over her. And that's great. You know, it's, 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 it's wonderful. And I say to Robin, 
having had two children, this one, she's never going to answer back. (laughs) (laughs) She's brilliant. Yes, yeah. I mean, much less trouble. (laughs) Absolutely. I've written about this before, sort of on the site, you know, and I I am someone I say, you know, shall mommy do this? You know, I definitely am a a mommy, not a, you know, because I think some people refer themselves in the, in the, by their Christian names, you know, they don't do the daddy mummy thing. Mm. But in, in a very real sense, you are their parent. You know, I'm, I, I'm in charge of loving um, healthcare, you know, driving him around, educating my dog, my Labrador. Um, in what sense, apart from biological, am I not a parent? So as long as you know they're not actually a furry child, they are a dog. Yes. But in the and same, you know. Absolutely. And you must, you must respect their dogginess. But, um, it, and I would never, I mean, she has little coats for the winter and people say, oh, that's ridiculous. But, you know, actually, she has nice little coats which keep her warm because yes. she's a Mediterranean dog. She'll get cold. She gets shivery. She gets really cold. So um, that's all right. And, uh, you know, the, the sort of, it's, it's a, a foible of mine to have little colored leads, you know. Yeah. It's harmless, isn't it? I mean, oh, yes. fine. Yeah. And she doesn't mind. She's the most patient little dog in the world. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, you're the caregiver, aren't you? Oh, yes. Definitely. And she gives, she gives love back in spades. So it seems to me to be the most perfect transaction, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, because you, you had cat, well, you are a cat, you were a cat person and then sort of... Uh, Not ag- now, ag- I'm afraid. Yes, yeah. Well, you see, I've had the opposite journey because I was always a very passionate dog person and we now have cats as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it does just start you thinking about, you know, the relationship between you and the dogs and you and the cats and what it is that we get from both of them. And I think that the biggest difference is, I do think cats love you, you know, the person that, that cares for them, definitely. But I think the thing that is, you know, perhaps not there with a cat is this sense of solidarity. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you do, you talk about that in the book. I mean, for example, uh, Mary Queen of Scots with her little dog under her. Oh, that yeah. story. Yes, that's an amazing story, isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. Mary Queen of Scots went to the scaffold and the English judge... Uh, said, you know, she couldn't have any of her devoted ladies with her to go to the scaffold in the great hall at um, Fotheringay Castle. And um, what they didn't know was underneath her voluminous skirts, her little, probably a Sky Terrier, they think, that mm. nobody quite knows, was walking with her to the scaffold. And when the terrible, terrible deed was done, the little dog came out and lay whimpering between the body and the head. Mm. and was spattered with blood naturally and had to be dragged away and washed but then wouldn't eat and pined away and didn't long survive his mistress oh that makes me cry that's the most moving story yeah um it said actually that um um what she called marie antoinette it said that she went to the guillotine with a small dog but i could not find any evidence of that but with mary queen of scots it's eyewitness account at the time mm. Yeah. yeah. And and you talk about um Elizabeth Barrett Browning as well. There's lots of sort of stories of, of Yes. I'm so pleased to be talking to you because everybody who interviews <laughs> me about my book is talking about the marriage, you know. <laughs> and I want to talk about dogs. And um so I'm delighted. Yes, I, I want I wove through the narrative loads of stories about dogs, you know, writers' dogs and other dogs. And also lots of information about dogs. This is sort of information in there as well. Um, Elizabeth Barrett Browning had Flush, her spaniel, who was the means of her recovery because she was on her sick bed in a cloistered room and very much kept prisoner by her tyrannical father. 
And through Flush, she discovered qualities in herself which she could not have dreamt of. And she ended up, because he was kidnapped, he was dognapped twice, or it might have been three times, I can't remember. Mm. Um, and she ended up going and finding him sort of in the East End of London, I mean, sort of villains and mm. incredible, whereas she wouldn't have done that. No, you know? no. So the dog gave her strength. And of course, when she eloped, the famous love story with Robert Browning, Flush had to go too. Yeah. Uh, she, he went, he went, he, she couldn't leave him behind. And um, he died a natural death um, in, in Italy where they lived. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's gorgeous. The, the, the stories that are woven in and out. And it, it is very much, as you say, there is, you know, the, it's the story of your uh, marriage, marriage and relationship, but it's the, the love of dogs, you know, it does deserve the title of small dogs can save your life because there is that woven, you know, through every page. Yes. Yeah. And, and I wanted to talk about those qualities and say, this is, I'm saying, look, here I am. I'm um, 63 years old. I've had a brilliant career. I, you know, I, I'm an intelligent woman. But here we are. I have learned these things from not just my dog, but from small dogs. Mm. And I think that they have a, 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 a force. They are a force for good. And I, I, I see them... As I said, little being busy, I say at the end, don't I, but busy, busily going about their business, saving yes. other people's lives. Yes. And sometimes my husband and I are going on the street and we will see somebody with a Yorkie or something. And he'll say to me, look, and I go, so busy, busy yes. saving lives. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I see it. Because you see, because, you know, dogs are therapy, you know, dogs going in to help. Uh, young people who have behavior problems, we know they're used there. We know that dogs can be hugely comforting to Alzheimer's patients. Yeah. Dogs are used in therapy extensively in the United States and probably will be more here. Well, that's for a reason. There's something about the connection between the dog and the human, which is very, very hard to define. And of course, non-doggy people think you're a bit nuts talking like this. <laughs> but you know I'm not. Absolutely. You see, there, I think for, for dog lovers, um, there is definitely, they will get more from your book. I mean, for example, when um, Billy, the Labrador, goes missing, and oh, yes. you both panic, you know, and, you, and as you do, and you run around, it's a horrible feeling. And, but what I really like about that story is, you mentioned the change in Billy, the dog's expression, when mm. she is reunited with you. Yes. Yes, it's absolutely right. I mean, dogs, dogs have different barks. We know we, I can tell the difference between my dog's bark. I know sometimes I say to her, you look really complacent. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, and then, of course, when, when they look anxious, yes, we know all that. You read all, all, all those things about dogs. And I, I, I wanted to write a book which would have loads and loads of layers in it. There's strands in it. There's a very self-help strand, as you know. And mm. sort of insp I wanted it to be an inspirational book. But I wanted there to be a lot for dog lovers because I have become one and I wanted to share it, you know. And I wanted to... I loved doing the research and finding all these stories about dogs who belonged to people in the past. And in fact, I had so many. I had to leave a lot out, you know. But there's, there's a very nice one about Picasso. Picasso was visited by a photographer and the photographer had a little dachshund and Picasso and the dachshund fell in love with each other so the photographer gave he was called Lump yeah. um, gave him to Picasso and Picasso absolutely adored this dog and painted this dog and 
sort of was inspired by this dachshund. Yeah. And I love that story. And there's a wonderful photograph of Picasso and somebody else and Picasso's then partner, uh, all staring at the dog. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's a wonderful photograph. So I kept buying all these doggy books. And then, of course, David Hockney had two dachshunds and wrote, uh, did a lot of drawings of them. And, mm. uh, yeah, and I, it was such fun finding all this stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, talking about famous people and their dogs, um, Bonnie is quite a privileged little dog because she has met Prince Charles, hasn't she? She has. <laughs> she met Prince Charles because um, Jonathan and I were, because uh, my ex-husband wrote a marvellous book about Prince Charles and did a TV uh, program about him. This is going back, of course. So, so the year was 2000, it was the end of 2002, I'd, and I'd just got Bonnie, and um, we we went to Highgrove for dinner and um, we were dropped off there. And then Robin, who is actually now my husband, who was mm. a family friend, was looking after the dog for us, you see, cause, and, and came to pick us up. This is so we could drink and drive, frankly. Yes. You know, because obviously. Yeah. And um, he said he couldn't bear to leave the dog. So he, because she was so anxious because we'd gone out. So he put her in the car for this quite a short journey to, from Bath. And when he got there, he, he she jumped out of the car. So when they, the you know, the, the butler opened the door to Agro, I mean, she raced, <laughs> to surprising everybody. But of course, Charles and Camilla, absolutely passionate dog lovers. Royal family in England has always been mad about dogs. Queen Victoria was potty about dogs. Yes. When I tell some stories about that. But anyway, in she came. And um, um, they had an elderly Jack Russell there who was most intrigued by this little white <laughs> bundle of fur raced around the room. And I loved the fact that Charles and Diana sort of dropped to their knees and made a fuss of Bonnie. It was so nice. Yes. But that's what dog lovers do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that you know, over the years I've talked to, to so many people and it just becomes a talk between, you know, two, two dog lovers because yeah. you've got that bond, you've got that in common and that, you know, it is a passion, isn't it? It is a passion. We went to, Robert and I went, we're in uh, um, Charleston, um, no, sorry, Savannah, Georgia. Mm. Uh, last summer, we were in Charleston first for a wedding. Then we, we drove down to Savannah and we stayed at a and b And when I walked through the doors, there was this exquisite little Yorkie came bounding to meet me. Mm. And he was absolutely gorgeous, so I went mad about him. And every day I was sort of cuddling him and I thought he was so, so lovely. And then the day we were leaving, I was cuddling him to say goodbye. And Robin, my husband, came and he said, put the dog down, step away from the dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put him in my cage. Yes. <laughs> so he said, you know where you've been unfaithful to Bonnie every day of this holiday? <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's what we... It's, it's just, I can't help making a fuss of them. But I, I like big dogs too. But it, I, my, my son, who lives... We've just moved house and he lives next door in a mm. cottage... And uh, he and his girlfriend uh, got themselves, they'd been here, um, we'd been here in the end of January, freezing cold. So there were a lot of things wrong with the house and his cottage. They'd been here four days when they went and got themselves a chocolate Labrador puppy <laughs> from a, really, a reputable breeder yeah. and Western Supermare. Dan had wanted a dog all his life. And we got dogs after he'd left home. Yeah. And he never quite forgave his parents. <laughs> so once he'd moved to the country with his own place, the first thing he's got, he's got uh, Dottie, she's called. Uh, she's short to be um, 
uh, you know, uh, what's one of those spotted dogs? Oh, a Dalmatian, Dalmatian. yeah. Being called Dotty, she wants to be a Dalmatian, <laughs> but she's not. She's a chocolate lab. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so we, we've got a doggy household. And the first thing my daughter did when she, she got married recently, what did she do? They got a Labradoodle, her and her <laughs> husband. Yeah. So uh, last weekend, the, 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 I had three dogs here. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. I, I mean, I... I started off, I, I did have a preference for larger dogs. It's funny how you just are drawn to different dogs. But when we had our Bichon Frise, um, they little dogs do just find their place in your heart and there's a real charm to them. She has completely won me over. Oh, they do. I've got yeah. Bonnie on my lap now. I mean, I'm sort of her. She's just, <laughs> she's so sweet. She just sort of like a little rag doll on my lap. And mm. sometimes when I'm working, she, she, she normally has a little bed just by my desk and she... But sometimes she puts her paw up, she wants to come up. So I haul her up, but it's very uncomfortable to work with yes. her. If I'm writing my daily mail column, you know, I can't really reach across, you know, it's not comfortable. No. But, um, but I, I, I just know that I'm a small dog person. I love, you know, I did love the big dogs. I like Daniel's Labrador. Um, but I, I just know that, you know, that I would always want to have a small dog now. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine life without this little creature who's, and she's very easy to look after, and she's just very, mm. you know, she doesn't require long walks. Yeah. Her legs are only five inches long, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm rather short, with short legs, so we, we suit each other. We're sort of girly people who like lolling around and, you know, on sofas. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's, um, I mean, it, there's far too much in the book for us to cover now, but I've tried to sort of in- include, you know, a good taster of it and um, hopefully, you know, show that dog lovers will really enjoy this book. I certainly did. Um, it is as well a very moving depiction of your relationship with your dog. And um, do you have a, a copy of the book handy? I do. You do. Would you turn to page 180? Could Can you I read that? Please, that would be great. Yes. Uh, so this is the context of it is that, you know, I, I'm sort of, all the pain that the houses, houses have been sold, the marriage after, has gone after 35 years. Um, yes, I, I, was, I was at a very, very dark place. And so I write, why would you place any trust in human love, I thought. Friends disappoint, and work too will one day fade, your professional world not wanting you anymore. How did I know Robin would stay with me? How did I know my children wouldn't abandon me when I'm old? When you reach another ending in such a short space of time, the marriage, then the home, you glimpse, as if a curtain has parted on an empty stage, all the other endings which stretch ahead. Still, this much I trusted without consulting tea leaves or my own line of fate. The one thing you can always be sure of is that your dog will recognize you, no matter what, which mask you wear. Your dog will know your voice, even when all you can utter is a cry. Your dog will love you, no matter what you've become. No matter where you are, your dog will welcome you home. That's beautiful, isn't it? I hope that Bonnie continues to welcome Belle home for many years to come. It's a book that dog lovers will enjoy, whether they like small or big dogs. And Small Dogs Can Save Your Life is published by Collins this month. You can find out more about Belle Mooney and all her books at her website, bellmooney.co.uk. The Beatles song, Martha My Dear, was written by Paul McCartney about his sheepdog, Martha. You're 
listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Buddy's Diary. Hello, Buddy the Black Labrador here. I want to tell you about something awful that has happened. It all started with Star and me getting excited about some mud that we discovered. When we walk in the woods, we love to find muddy puddles. The muddier and dirtier the better. We have a good paddle and splash around, and although it doesn't make much difference to the way I look, being a sensible black dog, Star emerges from the whole adventure as a two-tone dog, white on the upper half, but dark brown from the knees down. Getting muddy is invigorating for dogs, even supposed lap dogs like Star. And so we race around and generally have lots of fun to celebrate when we find muddy puddles. We were doing exactly that when suddenly one of Star's legs stopped working. We thought nothing of it, since dogs have a sensible number of legs and can cope perfectly well with the loss of one of them. And Star simply held up the affected leg and continued to career around on the remaining three legs that still worked. Our people noticed immediately that something had happened and wanted to put an end to her fun as soon as possible. Spoil sports. They called her over and made her lie down and felt all over her poor and leg. Star lapped up all this attention, wagging her fluffy tail for all she was worth. Our people said things like, Isn't she brave? And, What's wrong, sweetie? And other mushy stuff like that. They couldn't work out what the problem was, so they let Star go and she and I enjoyed the rest of the walk. In the morning, Star was still holding up her back leg, and our people did some more looking at it and saying mushy stuff to her before they bundled her into the car and took her off to the vet. I like going to the vet, because you get lots of attention and fuss, and sometimes the vet or nurse wants to wrestle with you, which is always good fun. But I had to stay home and wait. I snoozed the time away, and before long they were all back. Star was still getting around on three legs, and my people looked very serious. Apparently, Star had erupted her crucial figment. Well, that's what it sounded like to me. It's something that can go wrong with a dog's knee, and it was a big problem. There were lots of phone calls in their house over the next few days, and my people smelled very worried and tense. I don't like it when they smell like that. It makes me feel a bit worried too. Not so worried that I can't eat or snooze properly, but just a bit worried. We Labradors are not given to suffering stress, luckily. Then, one day, Star was bundled off in the car to the vets, and she was missing all day. Even though she can be a bit of a pest, I did miss her. During that day, my people went up into the loft and got my old crate down, and set about giving it a thorough cleaning. For a while, they had me worried they were going to bring another puppy into the house. But later that day, I was surprised to see them putting Star into it, when she finally returned from the vet. She smelled horrible. She was in pain, and she wasn't at all her usual cheerful self. I wondered what on earth the vet had done to her, because she had gone off that morning, tail up as normal, but she came back very much tail down. I did hear the words surgery and operation. For the next few days, Star slept a lot. Her scent remained very distressed, and she wouldn't eat or drink or do anything really. Our people spent ages cuddling her very gently on the sofa and made lots of special delicious smelling meals to try and tempt her to eat. She's been carried out to the garden for toilet breaks and she isn't even allowed to walk on our wooden floors as she might slip over and they keep looking at her leg to check she's recovering well. 
So in general, Star is being lavished with attention and food, while I hang about trying to pick up a few crumbs of either. And the question I want to put to you is this. Why on earth should such an awful thing happen to a Labrador like me? Star is slowly getting better, but I'm still trying to make some sense of it. Well, till next time. Elvis recorded several dog-themed songs, including Old Shep, A Dog's Life, Hot Dog, Husky Dusky Day, and, of course, Hound Dog. It can be a big mistake to decide to share your life with a breed of dog just because you like the look of it. I am very drawn to Dachshunds, simply because I think they look sweet. To find out the reality of life with a Dachshund, I spoke to Dachshund breeder Molly Morlino of Hill Country Dachshunds. So just what is the nature of the character beneath that sweet exterior? They they do look sweet. Uh, <laughs> um, they can be a little um, stubborn. Actually, they're very well known for being very stubborn, mm, um, especially yeah. in the body training uh, area. Um, I have one uh, girl, Lexi, who was potty trained by 12 weeks. I mean, perfect. Never had any problems. She wants to please. She's eager to please. If, if she could understand everything we're saying, she would do anything we asked her to do. Aww. But then I have another one, Scout, who um, is six years old and still refuses. She's still not potty trained. I've had her since 12 weeks old. Mm. And so, um, and she's just, she's one of those that just, uh, she just, there's there's what she wants and there's what you want and it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission you know (laughs) (laughs) she would much rather do what makes her happy at the moment which is not having to go outside and go to the bathroom yeah yeah so um you know they're they're very so much in personality um but they are very good family dogs um they're very loyal to their families um some sometimes they can get a little snippy with strangers especially the the females can get a little more um, protective of their families than the males do. But um, I know um, with my, my girl, Lexi, she, uh, she gets, she's very, um, we have to kind of put her, put her up whenever uh, strangers come over to look at puppies or something. Cause she's, she's very um, protective of us and the others are totally fine, mm. but um, yeah, she's very protective of us. And, but she's, but I tell you what, she is the sweetest dog in our family. Like she's, incredibly well behaved with us she's you know she knows you know let's go for a walk she knows down no go outside i mean she i mean she knows she's so eager to please but yeah one little quirk about her you know she's just um she's just very protective yeah yeah but i think sometimes that that protectiveness comes because they do love you so much if they didn't care about you they they you know okay look after yourself mate but because they love you they want to look after you Yes, exactly. It's exactly. There's that huge bond there. And if there's not a trust and there's not a bond, then they're not going to be able to do what you want them to do. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in, in, it seems like in answer to the, the question sort of what's a Daxi, what's a Daxan temperament like, um, it varies immensely then, it seems like. Um, yeah, the, the ideal, uh, I guess what they're really known for is kind of being very um, uh, independent, um, stubborn, and yet very, very loyal at the same time, um, uh, I, tr- I really try hard. You see so many dachshunds these days who are so submissive and they just, they, you walk up to them and they roll over, you know, mm. and they have that, you know, submissive teen and, and things like that. And that's really not what you're looking for in a dachshund. That's not who they are at all. Um, 
they're very, like I said, they're very independent, um, uh, and yet they're very loyal at the same time. Um, they, uh, they are, they're stubborn, but at the same time, you know, you can get one that you can, if you really work with them, they can get really, really, um, very trainable. And, uh, but you know, so, there's so many breeders these days who are breeding. There's so many colors available in the dachshund breed that so many breeders are foregoing the personalities and going with the colors mm. because they, they like what, what they like. I mean, they, I mean, it's okay to like colors, but you got to kind of go with the, what the personality is supposed to be like. Yeah. And that's really what I try to do here. I mean, I try so hard to get, I mean, to get the right personality because that's, that's what people fall in love with. They fall in love with the dachshund because of their personality and because of their looks. And if you don't have that, then you don't really have a dachshund. No, no. I mean, I, like you say, that, that should be what you're aiming for. And everything else is a bonus kind of thing, isn't it? And um, Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was fascinated to read. I mean, you, you should know your stuff because you, you started breeding dachshunds at 13, didn't you? Yes, yes. At 14 years old, God bless my parents, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they, I, I remember I, I asked my dad if I could do it, and he said, uh, well, you have to sell your Beanie Babies. Oh. <laughs> and I, I was collecting Beanie Babies at the time, and I said, deal, you know? <laughs> so uh, I started that, and um, I definitely didn't start out where I would have wanted to start out. Um, I definitely didn't. I, I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. And um, and I've really grown a lot since then, and uh, I'm really happy with where I am now. I'm obviously, there's you never stop learning, you never stop stop growing as a person, as a breeder. But um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with where I am now. Yeah. But at, at 14 years old, it was uh, it was an adventure. I think my parents were just glad that I wasn't into boys or drugs or you know <laughs> things like that. So. Or or Great Danes, perhaps. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Or Great Danes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it could have been worse, couldn't it? It could have been a lot worse, yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. I mean, I think that's that's lovely to hear that, you you know, it, I think it's a pity when some breeders get to the point where they think, I know everything now. I There's nothing else I could learn. I just know it all. And I don't think that's for the good of the breed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I definitely don't know everything yet, <laughs> and yeah. I never will. But it's no. it's a uh, it's an adventure and it's fun, you know. And and uh, to be able to bless people with with this amazing, I mean, I hear the most amazing stories that you know people are so blessed by these dogs and what I'm able to provide for them, and it's it's amazing what I'm able to do for people, yeah. you know, just through through these wonderful animals. And uh, you know, it's it gives me such joy to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've touched a little on sort of training and, and that some of them um, will be more trainable than others and they're not, the, you know, they, they do have some independence. So how do you motivate a dachshund? Um, food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, um, mostly they do very much like treats. You have to be careful on that they don't rely on the treats to be able to perform the trick. That way, you know, they don't, they'll do the trick without you having a treat, you know, so you kind of have to vary it a little bit, but yes, mostly as with a lot of breeds, it's mostly food. And then a uh, praise of course is very exciting for them. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now there's, there's different coat types, aren't there? So how much grooming is involved with the dachshund? Um, the, uh, there's three different coat types and here in the, I think there's different over in the UK. I'm not sure, but um, here in the U S it's short hair, wire hair and long hair. I think they might be called something a little bit different. Um, that, that sounds, it, yeah, that sounds familiar, actually. Yeah, 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, short hair um, don't require, you know, any grooming aside from, you know, you can, you can brush them. They have a little bit of shedding, but it's, it's incredibly minimal. I mean, it's like if you're wearing black and you have a, a piebald, then you might get a little bit of white hairs. I wouldn't recommend wearing black and then holding your white piebald. So. <laughs> but, um, but other than that, I mean, short hairs really don't require much. Um, they, um, you know, dachshunds aren't really very stinky dogs either. Um, the uh, the long hairs can require maybe um, brushing maybe two or three times a month, and it depends on what you really want them to look like. Um, I know here we have um, a lot of stickers, like sticker birds, and when I, when my dogs go out, the the long hairs since they're so short, they um they catch a lot of things on the bottom of their coat on their underside, and um it's really just a matter of brushing it out, you know, two or three times a month to get the the stickers out and the tangles, and then they can get matted uh, behind their ears and things like that. But there's really not a whole lot involved in that. Yeah. And the wire hairs, um, the wire hairs that's just um. Uh, again, it depends on what you want them to look like. If you let them go, if you let them, their hair just grow out, then they can get uh, kind of scraggly, you know, kind mm. of, you know, let go. Um, but some people like that look. And uh, But then if you want them to stay the real trimmed, um, the, the wire hair look that you're used to seeing at shows and stuff, you can um, you can cut their, you can trim their beard, uh, mm. you know, maybe every six or eight weeks. And it can, go, it can grow pretty fast. And then... Um, but as far as the rest of their coat, it's uh, really a matter of what's called stripping. And you, it's stripping, it's not cutting or brushing. It's kind of pulling the coat out with your, the tips of your fingers. Mm. And uh, it's kind of, kind of like separating the hairs a little bit. And that really keeps it nice and, um, nice and uh, tight. The coat keeps it nice and tight. Yeah, yeah. So if, you, if you're looking for low maintenance, go for a short haired. Yes, I, I would say that. Um, yeah, definitely a short hair if you're looking for no maintenance. If you if you really want the long hair, you know, expect two or three times a month to be brushing, but it takes ten minutes maybe to brush. And I mean, who doesn't love to brush their dog? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a socialization. You can pet them at the same time, give them, give them love. I mean, it's not really a big deal. No, no, absolutely. And they must look. The, the long hairs do look beautiful. They do, yeah. Here in Texas, with the heat, um, it's hard to grow the long-haired coats really long because, I mean, as soon as we have, like, two months of winter, and mm. as soon as winter hits, they start to grow their coat out a little bit, and then, then like, March comes and it's hot again. So they're like, oh, forget that. <laughs> yeah. And they lose all their hair again. So, uh, so you know, um, it's kind of hard here in Texas with the heat to grow the coats out. I mean, people up north, like in, you know, Rhode Island and stuff, they have beautiful coats. And mm. I'm like, man. That would be so nice, but you know, I, I have had ones that have very beautiful coats here, and but others are just you know it's hard to grow them. But yeah. um, but yeah, the they are gorgeous with those long, long coats, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, they are. They, they sort of ripple as they go along. I do. I like the look of those, but I uh, I'm a lone maintenance person, definitely. <laughs> yes, uh, short hair would be good for you then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so if, if someone's looking to, to buy um, a Dachshund, what health issues do they need to be aware of? Um, the number one health issue, um, they're very well known for their back issues. Um, and this can range from IVDD, which is intervertible disc disease, or mm. just uh, the simple deterioration uh, due to old age. I mean, they can live a very long time, but, um, you know, their backs, you know, I mean, just like old people, you know, I mean, we start to hurt after a while. And, uh, you know, yeah. and um, just be wary of, uh, you know, stairs and jumping up and down couches, beds, 
you know, into cars, things like that. Um, but on, on the same note, I don't want people, I don't want people to have the idea that dachshunds are fragile because they're very, very outgoing, adventurous, ready to run dogs. I mean, and, but just, just be, you know, noticeable of that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but that's really the main thing that they're known for is the back disease and, and, uh, or the back conditions. Another thing is, um, uh, it kind of goes twofold. You have to, um, watch their weight, uh, because the, the backs are so long that the weight can really drop the back a lot and really cause a lot of damage. Um, so, you know, the diet is very important in the dogs. Um, really no table scraps, no fatty foods, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a case of sort of um, making sure they don't do any activities that would, would damage them, you know, like the, you know, lots of stairs and things. It, it's not so much an issue then of choosing a strain that has a healthy back. Yeah, it's, it's not, um, yeah, it's not so much that issue as, uh, I mean, it definitely the, the IVDD, for example, um, is, hered- is very well known for being hereditary. Mm. Um, that's something that people should look for and, and breeders should know the pedigrees behind or the, the histories behind their dogs. Um, for example, I have, um, you know, my dogs here are mostly from my own lines because I, I prefer to keep them, you know, within the family. So I do know that they're, 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 um, histories, but, um, mm. uh, it's mostly just, a the biggest, the biggest thing is keep them away from injuries. You know, we've had, um, I've had one girl who just, uh, you know, I mean, they could, they could, they could just trip, you know, basically. I mean, it could, I've had, um, one of my dogs fell from a 12 foot high dam mm. and fell and hit the bottom and she was fine, you know, no yeah. problem, yeah. you know, and she just got up and I mean, I saw her fall and I just, my, my first thought was, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to run to the vet or she's not going to make it or, yeah, I mean, but yeah. she just, she just got up and she climbed back up and. That was it. You know? oh. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> but um, and uh, an injury like that doesn't harm them, but they could do a simple stumble down uh, the second step, you know, and and uh, and just hurt their back and be on crate rest for a week. Um, mm. You know, it, it's just uh, you just have to be careful with them. But like I said, I don't want to give the impression that dachshunds are fragile and need to be carried around in purses. You know, no, no, I think they'd <laughs> they're, hate they're, them. They're very, yeah, yes, they're very tough dogs. I mean. My dad has two dachshunds, and he goes on three or four mile walks every day, and mm. they follow him, and they they have a great time, you know. And yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah. See, this is what I think. You know, they look like a really sweet, um, almost lap dog look to them, but they're not, are they? They they were bred to be active. Um, very much, yes. They and they are very, um, yes, very active, and. Uh, um, I actually have, you know, they'll, they'll hole something. They'll go in a, like, they'll chase something into a hole and they will stay there for six, seven, eight hours barking at it until mm. you pull them out because they so want to do what they're bred to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah. You, you literally have to get them out. You know, I've had to dig my dog out of holes before because they won't come out. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. So, I mean, what activities do they enjoy doing? I mean, you know, agility or do, are there sort of, um, are there activities that that channel those dachshund instincts? Yes, absolutely. There's um, earth, lots of earth dog trials for dachshunds, um, and they they teach them to chase rats usually, mm. and uh, teach them to go into tunnels and under under things. Not really jumping, of course. Dachshunds yeah. aren't very good at that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> they yeah they do teach them to 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 go under the ground or go into tunnels and 
people, you know, they build pipe systems for their dogs and they send them after, you know, rats and things like that. So they have a lot of fun with that or just, you know, the simple, I mean, I have some dachshunds, they absolutely love to swim. Some don't, but my, I have two of my girls who just, we live on the lake and uh, they love to swim and they will just get out there and swim all day if they could. And, um, and, um, you know, two of my girls, they love to fetch and, um, just, I mean, they, they will fetch all day long and, um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, fetching or throwing a ball, swimming, taking on walks, things like that. I mean, they do love to be active. Yeah. Yeah. So how much exercise, you know, would you, should you be looking at providing for a dachshund? You know, dachshunds are so good. I tell people this all the time. Dachshunds are good in any kind of environment. They're good in an apartment. They're good in um, a farm. They're good in just a regular suburban home. I mean, they can handle so much. You can give them, as long as you watch their diet, you know, they don't really need that much exercise in order to expend the energy. Um, you know, sometimes you get dogs that get super bored because they're they're just so, they don't get enough energy. You know, they don't, people don't do enough with them because they're, they just have all that pent up energy and they need to do something with it. So they bark or they dig or they, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. But dogs, they, they don't really need a whole lot, but they, um, they love it if you can do it with them. Um, but just, you know, a walk a day is fine, you know? Um, but you know, and like I said, uh, uh, throwing a ball around, you know, is a lot of fun for them throwing toys, um, things like that. But, uh, as far as, I mean, it, compared to, say, a border collie, you know, they don't need that much exercise. Yeah, yeah. Now, d- obviously, you, you've got quite a few. You've got eight, haven't you? I have, I have six. I have oh, six. two. My parents, my parents right now are in Panama, so I'm babysitting. So right. For some <laughs> reason, they thought I was good at it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, obviously, you're, you're a happy living together, and, you, you know, you obviously found that one wasn't enough. Um, but do they do well as only dogs, or do they need company? Um, they are very much companion breeds. They get bored if they don't have um, any company, whether it be they prefer another dachshund because they like them that their their size, um, but um, they're, they'll do any, any dog will do. Um, they, yeah, they do prefer um, another dog. They yeah. do very, very well in a pack environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they sound great. And as I say, I, I do like the look of them. I'm not, I'm not sure I could cope with the, uh, the amount of digging. And I, I know I would panic if mine, you know, disappeared down a hole. But um, huh? is, is there anything else that you, you feel, you know, we haven't covered about them? Um, I don't think so. They, you do mention digging. They do like to dig a lot. Um, I have uh, people who have built uh, sandboxes in their yards hmm. for them and buried bones and things like that to keep them to dig where in the same box as opposed to in their flower beds or, yeah. you know, yeah. or underneath the fence. So <laughs> that's my worry. You know, I mean, we have a Bichon who's quite small um, and my, our other dog is a Labrador and there's no way he's digging out, but that would be my fear with a little dog that they would actually be able to create a tunnel, you know, big enough to escape. Mm-hmm. They're very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, you keep an eye on them in the garden. Oh yes, absolutely. We um we when we first moved to our house two years ago, we had several instances where we would ha- we would catch them trying to dig out, and for the first year or so, every six to eight weeks, we would actually fill in holes with concrete, with the the concrete mix, and uh, and um, eventually now there's hardly any more 
places for them to, to <laughs> dig out because everything's filled in with concrete. <laughs> but we, we, we've actually gotten really good at it. They, um, they, they really don't have many more options anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, they mostly, you know, like I said, they're just adventurous. They want to go out and they want to have fun and, yeah. And we have a very big yard, but apparently it's not enough for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's that independent streak coming out. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Independent and stubborn. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, something else that I love that you do is you do online streaming of, of the births, don't you? I do, yes. Uh-huh. I started doing that in uh, August 2009, um, and uh, it was just amazing to see. I mean, you know, I... I guess I take it for granted because I see the birth a lot. And, of course, every time it's amazing to me, even if I know what I'm expecting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing. But for people who've never seen this before, um, they are just amazed by by what I do. And I don't. I guess I don't think much of it. But, um, you know, they're they're pretty amazed by it. And it's awesome to, to be able to share that with people. And um, we started doing it, like I said, in August 2009. And I think our first... Um, our first streaming, we had about 45 viewers mm-hmm. and um, do it through a, through a Ustream.tv and uh, it's it's really easy to do and it's free and um, I encourage everyone, all my breeder friends, I say you need to do this, it's really cool but anyway, uh, but yeah, the first uh, the first streaming we had about 45 viewers and now we're up to about 150 mm-hmm. per, per one, per, um, per birth, so uh it's pretty fun. It's pretty neat to watch people, uh, just for people to be able to watch. And I have people who are, who are waiting for a certain puppy. You know, they, they want to be on, they want a puppy from this litter and they, and they've been waiting for, for, uh, for it to be born. And they watch their puppy, their puppy being born. I mean, their family member for the next 17 years, they get to watch him or her being born. And it's amazing. It's such yeah. a miracle to watch it. Yeah. Oh, and, that's uh, very special, isn't it? It is. It's so special for them. I mean, I, I can only imagine. I mean, if it's special for me, I can only imagine how amazing it is for them. Yeah, yeah. Now, once they've been streamed live, they stay on the site, don't they, then? They can be viewed afterwards. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I recently installed, or my, my husband, rather, I, I watched. <laughs> um, we installed uh, two wireless cameras into the, uh, it's been dubbed the palace, which is, uh, I guess, in layman's terms, it's kind of like a doghouse, but it's really um, not. Uh, my dad says if he was in college, he would rent it from me. <laughs> uh, but uh, he would live there if he could. But um, uh, anyway, the uh, yeah, we've recently installed two wireless cameras in um, in the in front of the puppies, and they've they've been dubbed the uh, cubby cams, and because um, they're called puppy cubbies, and. Um, yeah, people can watch it 24-7, and uh, it's really neat for people to be able to just to get to bond with their puppies and see what their personalities are like and, and just see what the dachshund personality is like in general. Yeah. They can really see what, what they do, and um, yeah, it's, it's up 24-7, you know, provided that we don't have any technical difficulties, <laughs> yeah. which uh, can happen. But, um, but yeah, and we've been doing that um, just for a few months now, I think, since maybe March or February. Yeah. It's been really fun, though. Yeah, excellent. I'm sure people will want to go and find out more about you. And it's it's Hill Country Dachshunds. And um, what's the website address, Molly? Uh, my website is uh, com. That's a great use of technology there, allowing people to see their puppy being born. I would have loved that with our dogs.
we have a link on the Dogcast Radio site to Molly's website where you can click through to the live cubby cams and the live streaming of the births. And you can also find Hill Country Dachshunds on Facebook. The birds had a hit with Old Blue, including the lyrics, My Old Blue, he was a good old hound. You'd hear him hollering miles around. When I get to heaven, first thing I'll do, I'll grab my horn and call for Blue. Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Nick. And I'm Kate. A dog in Arizona, USA is helping worried parents keep their kids on the straight and narrow. Dargo is a Belgium shepherd who had retired early from his canine career as a police sniffer dog. However, his new life with his adopter Amy Harm has given him a new lease of life. For $150, Amy and Dargo will sweep through a house and alert the owner to any areas that the dog has indicated were suspicious. As well as having such a sensitive and well-trained nose, Dargo is apparently a gentle, good-natured dog who is a certified hospital therapy dog. Dargo is trained to sniff out many illegal substances, and should you feel the need for his services, you can find out more at his Desert Drug Dog website. Now you might think that the picturesque Cornwall town of Newquay wouldn't need the services of a drug-sniffing dog, but apparently this summer one will be on duty. After trouble last year with drink and drug incidents, police and police dogs will be out and about on the streets and the beaches seeking to sniff out and put a stop to any drug or drink abuse. Meanwhile, in another UK holiday resort, Dartmouth in Devon, one working dog was caught sleeping on the job. Taz, a Doberman Alsatian cross, lives at the Dartmouth Arms pub and has had a good track record of alerting his owners to any potential intruders. But now at 11 years old, he does not possess the acute hearing of his younger years. Consequently, he slept straight through a nighttime break-in, during which thieves made off with hundreds of pounds worth of alcohol, and to add insult to injury, a jar containing 40 pounds worth of staff tips. We've reported over the years about many dogs waking their owners when fire broke out, thereby saving their lives, but never before one who actually guided help to the house. In Alaska, the Heinrichs house was ablaze and authorities were having trouble finding the place. In true Lassie style, Buddy, the German shepherd, went into action, running off, finding a police car and leading it to the house. That may sound unlikely, but in the police car dash cam, the dog can be seen running ahead, frequently looking back to make sure the car was still following him. State troopers are now presenting the dog with a silver-plated dog bowl in recognition of his actions. And finally, while in Alaska a silver-plated dog bowl may be considered the height of luxury, in California a dog lover has rewarded her dogs with a $20,000 canine mansion. The luxury doghouse even has its own garden and picket fence, and the doggy residents can watch television as they enjoy their air-conditioned pooch palace. That's all very well, but here at Dogcast Radio we reckon that most dogs would rather be watching telly in their owner's house, preferably on the couch. That's all from us on the Dogcast News Desk. Goodbye. If you can start the day without caffeine, if you can get going without pet pills, if you can always be cheerful ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, 
If you can overlook it when those you love take it out on you when, no fault of yours, things go wrong. If you can take criticism and blame without resentment. If you can ignore a friend's limited education and never correct him. If you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend. If you can face the world without lies and deceit. If you can conquer tension without medical help. If you can relax without liquor. If you can sleep without the aid of drugs. If you can say honestly that deep in your heart you have no prejudice against creed, colour, religion or politics, then, my friend, you are as good as your dog. Since the last episode of Dogcast Radio, our Bichonfrie's star ruptured her cruciate ligament in her right back leg just by running around in the woods. It was a real shock for us, particularly as she is only four years old this month, so is still young. We had to make a decision about the best treatment, and we opted for TPLO surgery, which was carried out by a specialist at our regular vet's clinic. Star was very miserable and uncomfortable for a few days afterwards, but is in much better spirits now, and thankfully the wound is healing nicely. It's been a big comfort to us to have the good wishes of so many listeners and to know how many people were keeping Star in their thoughts as she underwent surgery and started the long road to recovery. So thank you all for that. We'll be putting the diary of her experiences as well as some related resources on the site in due course and hopefully I'll also be interviewing the surgeon who operated on her. We've created a number of dog-related websites over the years and recently we've used GoDaddy the world's largest domain name registrar. If you're looking to set up your own dog website or blog, we have a couple of special offers for you. You can get 20% off hosting plans with the coupon code DOG20H1. That's D-O-G-2-0-H-1. Or get 30% off a .com domain with the code DOGCAST6. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T and the number 6. If you do decide to set up your own site, we'd love to hear about it. You can find out more about these and other offers by going to dogcastradio.com forward slash GoDaddy. Dogcast Radio is a paid affiliate of GoDaddy UK. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. Com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121 288 From the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is 315 from any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 44121288022. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. 
And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Why did the police dog look like a dog? He was in the Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs>